Welcome to Rants About Humanity, a podcast where we interview guest experts with passionate opinions about important topics that don't get enough attention. Raw, unfiltered, thought-provoking perspectives with no censorship. With your host, Philip Van Houta. Welcome everyone to the Rants About Humanity podcast. Today I got Eminem. Mitch Miller. Mitch Miller is a former rock star who previously battled with drug addiction, homelessness, and even a heart attack at 20 years old. Mitch went from not being able to feed himself to leading a movement of people craving freedom. He's also known as Father Freedom, written five books, and is highly respected by top minds in the marketing and copywriting world. Now he's having a company called Opposed Media, and he lives in Thailand, where he also organizes nonprofit projects to help animals and children. Welcome to the podcast, Mitch. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's great. Sometimes the animals and the children are the same. (laughs) Hard to tell the difference sometimes. Sometimes it's easier to have empathy towards animals than towards people, right? Sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) Man, that first sentence, like, what happened there, man? Like, uh, battling with addiction, homelessness, even a heart attack at 20 years old. Could you take us back a bit, like the Mitch back then? Yeah, you know, back then, yeah. 21 years old or something. So I, I never went to high school really. I mean, I would go sometimes, but I never really went because it just, I just wasn't very good at school, like the traditional way of learning. And, and if I'm not, the thing with me is if I'm not really good at something that I don't want to be good at, or I don't see the point, I just kind of don't do it. It doesn't matter what it is. And that's why I've had, I've had over a hundred and I think 109 to 111 jobs in my life, which is just I don't really know anyone else who has that much. And some people think I'm full of shit, but I have them all listed out. Like some of them, a lot of them were for a day. And I'd be like, nah, I don't like this shit. Walked into a job one day and they're like, okay, first day, start, go over there, see the forklift driver, shake his hand, or sorry, just go to work. And I walk over to shake his hand and he just looks down at it. And then he goes, go over there and do whatever it was. I forget. And I says like, ha, all right, just turn back around and leave. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> fuck you, man. Like, so I've always had this disdain for authority and this may, I've always had it for mainstream. And I'm trying to, I don't, I don't know where it came from, honestly, because I didn't have it when I was younger. Like I used to be like into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, WWF. My home life wasn't bad. Like we were poor because my father had a sickness at the time. He's better now, thank God. But he had a sickness at the time, which he couldn't really work that often. And so my mom had to have, uh, you know, two jobs and go to school at the same time. And there's basically no money. And I don't know if I got angry because of that, but somewhere in my teenage years, like I couldn't, I couldn't get a girl. Like I was not attractive. I had pimples everywhere, glasses. My teeth were all fucked up. I had this weird birthmark on my face. I couldn't talk to anybody. I had no social skills, no confidence. So I was just, I was like this repulsive thing. And, and because I believed I was, you know, not because I actually was like, Everyone has pimples. They can go get laid, but I couldn't get laid. Couldn't do it. So I, I, I couldn't make friends. And so then I think, you know, I, I somehow, you know, I, I resonated with like Marilyn Manson in my junior high school days and, and then rap music and stuff and Eminem and all that rebellion. But I've been first, I, I don't believe I'm actually built for, like, I am an entrepreneurial type. I'm an artist. Like I'm not built for employment. And so I was, I was rebelling, didn't go to high school, like I said, and I would play in my rock band. And that's what we do is like, I would, we just play. Like sometimes we actually play in the school. It's like, I would skip school and then we'd sneak in the school, go into the basement, set up our equipment and then play there. And then teachers would come and be like, what the hell are you guys doing playing in the school? I say, 
uh, the, the principal said we could, and then they'd be like, oh, and then they would leave. <laughs> and, and we were just, we didn't give a shit, you know, so I didn't graduate. And, and then, you know, I did the band thing for a couple of years and we actually got it to a pretty, pretty decent level, but then it fell apart because our singer kind of, for lack of a better word, lost his mind. And he was the, the glue, kind of the songwriter and the, the singer and stuff. So the band kind of broke up. And so I was kind of lost as if I wasn't lost before, but I was fucking lost. And then, you know, just doing too many, too many drugs. And, I, and when I say addicted, I guess like I was, I was addicted to everything, I guess, but I wasn't like, you know, addicted to meth or what. It was just like this. I couldn't stop just do every day, just doing anything. I didn't have a job. So I was like, okay, every day I'm going to smoke pot and do this, do that. And it all came to a head one night. I had a, I had a heart attack. That woke me up. You know, I became woke. But I didn't know what the hell to do or where to go. And I just know what I knew what I didn't want. And I know I didn't want anyone to tell me what the fuck to do. And so anyways, I found business and, and, and self-help and, you know, and then just went and did that for a long time. And even I think, yeah, 2008, so five years into four or five years into my journey of like figuring this shit out with marketing and fixing myself, I went homeless. It's like, and I knew everything. I swear I knew everything. I was studying marketing obsessively since 2004. That, that's even harder, right? When you have that little voice in the back of your head, like, oh, you, know, you know better. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like it's, I had the keys to the kingdom, but I couldn't fit them in the damn lock. So I had to sleep outside, you know? Like, <laughs> and that was just, it drove me, it drove me insane. Not literally, but yeah, it, it, it was fucking maddening. And then it was interesting because it took until 2012 to basically kind of figure it all out, start to get my shit together. And, and see some success and that, and that momentum grows. Like, you know, I think Jordan Peterson is like, he talks about like when you're at the bottom of the, the status hierarchy, right? It's, it's very, almost impossible to go from zero to one, but if you can get yourself up there, then you can go, you know, so I, I started just to take that, that feedback loop, that spiral. And I started to have an upward spiral that starts to feed and that you can almost can't stop. But I had to go from a bottom, which was, you know, push like pushing a, a train from, from the fucking stop position with your bare hands And There's a lot of stuff that, that you also says that links with, you know, a lot of your story is a part of my story because I used to make like hip hop for 16 years. And I also dislike forced authority. I like someone who I see as an authority, but not because I tell you so, or just give uh, answers because I like, I like to ask questions and I always had, and that's sometimes the link that I see between addiction and desire and sometimes going for what you want. It demands willpower. So there's an element in addiction that has a lot of willpower, but it turns against yourself. It numbs yourself. And when you can turn that towards something constructive, you can actually create a lot. So behind addiction often is a lot of willpower. Just as you standing up for yourself and being a rebel, that demands a lot of willpower to fight for the right to be yourself and think the way that you do. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's well said. And, and yeah, so it took me forever to figure this out. Like, it took me a good 10 years to... You know, get my, get my shit together, and that's it takes a long time. It takes a long time to to because you can't you can re, you can read and learn all this shit in the world, but then actually it, making it a part of you and, and acting it out, and then trying to figure yourself out. So I mean, I just knew from a young age the world's wrong, man. So like people are full of shit. Like they're smiling, but they're they're hurting, or they're they're bullying, but they're they're the ones who are fucked up. Like I just the contradictions and the hypocrisy I've always been able to see always and it drives me up the wall because it's like you just see it everywhere and 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 so then like people are bowing down to authority in all shapes and sizes but 
they don't know why they are just because the, the authority is acting in an authoritative manner. They're just like fucking on autopilot and they just react. And I'm all this around me. I'm like, this motherfucker doesn't deserve authority over me. None of this does. It's like, none of this is even real. It's all just a goddamn fucking illusion. And, you know, it's, so it, it's just, it, it's mind blowing to me. And I, and I carry that through in everything that I do. And it's, you know, it's almost like ignorance would be bliss sometimes if I didn't just see, you know, it's, it's not just an ideology like we were talking about before. You put the, the word ignorance there, and I sometimes split the word ignorance. It's ignorance, because you have ignorance when you do not know, but we even see right now ignorance. You're willingly trying to ignore things and just follow what they tell you. And it's not really weird that you didn't fit in an education. Me too. I have degrees, but I started learning after I graduated. I sometimes say like higher education is a way to buy time to figure out what you really want to do in life. <laughs> That's an expensive way to buy time, man. Yeah, yeah, That's especially 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 in the US. But what have we been taught by raising children? Just do as you're told, you know, school, do as you're told at your job, do as you're told. So you're what we see right now in this corona crisis is also not a lot of people questioning things, blindly following authority. And that's why I love people like you who stand up for freedom and make people see different perspectives because a lot of Bad things have happened during history, even tyranny, when certain people have the monopoly on saying like, this is the truth, this is how it has to be, and you can't question it. That's right. You have to question this stuff. Like, you have to be able to, it's like, it's one thing to have, we all have ideologies of some sort, even if we fucking Frankenstein together our own kind of weird ideology. But at the same time, you should always be able to, like, to be able to be open to having that ideology shifted. And that's why there's people like who, who are, who are cl clearly have like stronger, you know, for example, like say Ben Shapiro, very conservative in many, many ways, but then also not because he's as much as he, then there are a few things that he, he won't budge on that are kind of, I believe, blind spots or whatever. But at the same time, there are so many uh, other ideas that he's super open to and, and shifting his, his, his mindset around. I mean, to close your mind on this stuff just because you're afraid of social pressure or but then maybe, maybe again, a lot of people, maybe they are just too weak and it's maybe this is unconscious and they know that their, their minds can't handle too much paradox or they can't handle too much new information. And they just, maybe their minds know they won't be able to handle it or something. I, I, it's possible. I think it also demands a certain kind of personality type because I always felt like an outsider looking in. I saw the social matrix and I had the same thing like you, like this is bullshit, this bullying, these clicks, this fake behavior. I saw through it. So I was standing outside the circle and just observing and questioning things. So I'm this difficult to social engineer. But a lot of people, when you repeat a lie long enough, people will believe it as the truth, you know. If people perceive things as real, even though they're not, they are real in their consequences. And a lot of things that we're seeing right now kind of like social engineering or a one-sided narrative of explaining things. And that is what I have an issue with, of only showing one side and not different perspectives, because I'm never the one to say, you should think like me, but I am the one who should, we talked about it before. They talk a lot about minority and suppression in identity politics. Well, I look at the views that, that are suppressed and I want to give light to those views. I'm standing yeah. up for those minority those, views those, right now. Those victim views, those, yeah, those what, suppressed views, yeah. Yeah, when you look online right now, which kind of views are censored? You have to be honest. It's mostly those on the right and conservative views. Doesn't or what mean, they label as the right. Mm -hmm. That's a big difference there. And so I am standing up for those things because I think they should be heard, A, because maybe they have valid points. Plus, I really believe that if you suppress things, they go underground, they fester, and they go to its extremes. And you kind of created the dragon you never wanted to fight. So like, where is this silent majority coming from and all this frustration? Well, you didn't let people voice their mind and speak their truth. 
So it becomes darker and darker when it comes to the surface. Mm, that's true. Yeah, that's true. All right, interview's done. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you value freedom so much? Because a nickname of you is also like Father Freedom. Like what does freedom entail for you and where does freedom end? It's actually changed. So, and this was kind of a big realization I, I had, like my core value of freedom that hasn't changed, but the definition of it has and the, and the kind of the, the, the perspective of it. And I think that that's, that's a big difference. So up until, you know, the, the beginning of 2020, I was moving away from, I was hustling out of scarcity. I was, I was running away. I was running up, but I was running away from. So for example, my, my definition of scarcity, like if somebody, and, and, and actually my friend of mine, uh, Clay, he asked me this, he said, so what is freedom to you? And I said, well, freedom is being able to do whatever the hell I want, whenever I want, and nobody can say shit, and nobody can stop me from doing what I want to do. And basically coming from that negative, my definition of freedom was not being told what to do or have it by other people. And I thought about it and then was, I was like, oh, damn. I'm like, if my definition, if, if my, my definition of freedom is based on people not doing things to me or not having to follow things that people, that makes me super reactive to it. Like, it was a huge realization. I was like, oh man, like I have it, I have it all wrong. That's, that's the, that was the, the teenage definition of freedom for me. And I had to grow up and put on my, my big boy pants and give like, what is the adult definition of freedom? Because it is still freedom. To me, freedom is the, the choice, the power and the, the confidence and the trust in yourself. To me, freedom is trust in myself that I can feel and I can control how I feel. I can control how I perceive events in my favor. Like I have, it's a personal responsibility is basically my definition of, of freedom. And they say, you know, discipline is kind of true freedom. And a lot of people like they, they want, they want freedom, but they're rebelling so hard against everything around them that they're, they're actually trapped by that rebellion and they're going to be rebellious for the sake of being rebellious. And, and in fact, they actually rebel against themselves. So I used to, re I used to rebel against, you know, a lot of self-discipline. So I'm like, I don't want to box myself because I want to fucking tell myself what to do. It's like, okay, you've gone way too far in this rebellion. You're rebelling against your own goals. It's like, it's time to grow up and, and realize. So for me, freedom is individual, personal responsibility and ownership extreme ownership if you remember Jocko it's like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Me, yeah, that is, yeah you're gonna that own and you're gonna wake up me. at 5 a.m and then <laughs> you're gonna do the task <laughs> wait wait but he does it slower he's like and then you clean your bed <laughs> or uh clean your bed make your bed yeah so freedom's extreme ownership and responsibility for you me. made That's a good awesome. point and Jordan Peterson also talks about it like ultimate Freedom is ultimate chaos and ultimate chaos actually limits freedom because endless possibilities, that is one of the worst things that could happen to you because you're all over the place. So freedom within a framework that you have a direction, you go for it, actually some limitations within freedom can actually provide more freedom because you have a certain direction and you pave your path because else you're like all over the place. Yeah, yeah, it's of your choice. Like, but I think everyone has to kind of, everyone like us, I mean, it's, it's weird that we're a rare breed. And I say that without ego, but it's true, like statistically, which is super odd. 
and frightening, but at the same time, so it's like, I feel like we have to go through that. Like I had to go through that teenage rebellious freedom phase. You know, it's like when you, if you're, if, if your parents only gave you Cheerios growing up and that's all you had, it's like, as soon as you go out on your own as a bachelor, it's like, you're fucking lucky charms, frosted flakes. You're fucking having a bath and fruit loops because you never had that shit and you go fucking chaotic. And then, you know, eventually you grow up and wrangle it down. And you're like, okay, do I even want to be having this stuff? Like I'm having it just cause I can't have it. Or never, because I never had it, but is, do I actually even want it? And that is also an interesting question to ask where freedom ends, because we live now in Corona, where it seems that the ultimate values right now are safety, security, and comfort. And it's one value, but a lot of these freedoms have been sacrificed. Freedom of movement, freedom of assembly, freedom of protest, freedom of speech sometimes, freedom of body maybe when it comes to vaccines. Where does freedom end? And where does freedom begin? And how do you find the balance between the two? Because we seem to live in a society right now that puts security and safety as the ultimate goal of society. And me personally, I think it's a part of it. But life is also taking risks, freedom, having choices, self-determination. And when you live a life avoiding death, like that's no life at all. That doesn't make you feel alive. So I think it's also a good question to ask where does freedom begin and where does freedom end and how do we balance it with other values in society? It's tough because there's freedom in the personal sense and freedom in the, in the societal sense, right? It's like, personally, it's like, where does it end? It's like, okay, well, even if I was, for example, Victor Frankl, if I'm Victor Frankl, I'm in a concentration camp. It's like, he, he still achieved freedom in his mind, right? He still like he, that, that extreme ownership. He just, he found, he found the joy and the freedom within that, that box. And so it's like, you know, on that, on one level, you know, where does it end there? Right. It's like, where are the personal limits? And then it's like, but what are the, where are the societal limits? And I think, you know, it's a battle between the two. I feel that that's, a, that's a tough part is because for example, like, I, I don't like, like you have to wear your mask on the airplane, the whole flight. And it's, it drives me insane. It's like, but how far do I go? Like, do, do I stand up? And I'm just like, that's it. This is where it, like, it's like, do I do that? Uh, or, or, you know, five years from now when basically they're going to round up anybody with a voice and fucking, you know, cut their head off. It's like, but yeah, and, when they, and they round me up. It's like, just because I have a voice or do I go underground and do everything quiet? It's like, do I, you know, it, it's like, what do I choose? It's, do I choose to be free to do whatever I do and then die on that hill? Or do I, you know, my choice is to stay alive. So that's, I'm going to work within that. And I don't know, like, I don't know where my line is. Like, I'm, I don't know, but societally too is like well they say like uh, i think it was will durant in the story of civilization yeah, that's like an amazing podcast. like I, I i put that in audiobooks and i listened to that for a year yeah. as my guide the story of civilization it's i think one of the best historians if you want to get a look at especially western civilization it's amazing yeah it's super incredible and 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 so he so, some some of these were distilled into smaller bite-sized mm -hmm. like the lessons of history where him and his wife basically say that freedom and equality are are everlasting enemies. I believe that's the way it's put. I am, man. I quoted that. I cut that. Yeah, I cut that out. That part it was very interesting. It. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's profound, man. It's profound. And you know what is the weirdest thing where I found out about this whole story of civilization set was from Ty Lopez, of all people. Of all people, because he said when he was young, I don't even know if it's true, who knows, but he's a storyteller. But he said when he was young, is uh, it's probably true, his uh, his grandfather had the, the full set on the shelf or whatever. He had read through that and found it fascinating. But yeah, freedom and equality are everlasting enemies. And in order to have one, you get less of the other and, and, and all that. And so I don't know where the, see, it's hard to know the breaking point because this stuff usually spoils and then you don't realize you're fucking in it. Like looking at the way the US is right now with some of these, like you see how they're, the way they're closing the restaurants and then they're fucking, 
dragging people out of them and arresting them for having, that's like, that is way too close to the line. I, if I was in the US right now, I would be on the street. I would not be sitting around. I would be actively doing something. So maybe that's where, uh, the, <laughs> where, where freedom ends and, <laughs> and safety be. It's not even safety, it's, 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 it's equality. It, those, I feel those are the two polar opposites. It's it's the, it's the free, freedom and equality because it's it's the free choice versus you doing what you're told for the group. It's the right for self determination, but you're allowed to do what you want, freedom wise, if you're not hurting or affecting others. But sometimes on the other spectrum, like you know, when you're not affecting others, it's affecting you or your business. So it goes like both ways. So it's kind well, of like a spectrum. Yeah. There is no such thing as not affecting others. You know, even if I fart, it's like there's some there's some effect on the earth, and so so then they can put everything into that box but you're affecting other people right us having this conversation this is violence this is dangerous you're affecting other people you're hurting people they like you say not hurting people or affecting them we're doing both of those things on a podcast right now and i also think that you can also look a bit in a feminine or masculine way that i think we're very affiliative in terms of like reasoning how it affects other people and i'm more a pragmatist maybe you're also a pragmatist because it's the fear and then the mass media and the repetitions creates kind of a way to have emotional thinking and short-term thinking. And they think people who have a critical stance towards what's going on, like, oh, you want to hurt others or you're a psychopath or you have no empathy. But I just look at things in a bigger picture. Like if more people are working, more taxes are coming in, more taxes invented in, invested in healthcare, in healthy food, in all these things that you could actually build up society better, invest in prevention and these things while still having a livable society, you could be raised in a glass house and all safe and comfortable behind your computer, living the life online. Maybe good for us because we have online businesses, but you take away all the things that makes us human, emotions, a hug, arts, entertainment, creativity, freedom of speech, expression, like it's all just a way and it just becomes very sterile. It becomes very sick you know, in the way how society is being molded. So you, you can't just throw away any danger and just make it all about safety and comfort because that feels like living in a hospital or living in a prison. And even though that's safe and comfortable, that's not a kind of societal model I would love to live in in the future. You know, I feel a lot of things that make us human right now are just being removed. And I think we're still humans. We're not you know, I, I have quotes that the danger is not for robots to become like humans. The danger is for humans to become like robots <laughs> and then give away all the things that make us human and make it a very humane society. And, and that's a bit of the danger that I see. How do you look at it? It's an incredible danger. One thing I, I really am, because you see in nature, you know, if, if, a, if an animal like goes away from the tribe, it, lo it loses its mind and dies, uh, you know, like being cooped up and being pushed away from each other is, is absolutely terrible. And it's a, it's a, it could create a disease. The division creates, you know, if you haven't seen a, a friend in a long time and the longer it goes, the more you just have this conspiracy in your head that they fucking, that you guys have a problem. This I've noticed this a lot. And it's like, and then it's like, you know, the, you talk, it's, Oh, it's all good. It's like, Oh, it's all good. You know, when we don't, when we're not in the vicinity of each other, you know, even just pheromones touch clashing. I mean, that's, it's, it's important. And, but to me, it's super insane because you have this, this, this fucking virus and 
and then you hear the news they're, they're parroting they're like never before there's been something so deadly in human in the last hundred years or something like that i'm like how about driving how about fucking heart attacks how about smoking how about any of these fucking things but then they're like no you don't understand there's a million it's like the the, the rate it's like no 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 we're looking at fucking cold hard you want to look at cold cold hard deaths and forget infections who gives a shit it's like fucking virus who gives a fuck it's like infections are irrelevant we're looking at cold hard deaths there's way too many other things in the world that actively kill more people and if you add up in the past of how many people it's killed for those different things it's the covid could never catch up to it in a million years but let's focus on covid and say this is the danger it's like fuck you you don't get to just choose what's the danger but when it's political and they want to use it for power and it's insane to me and and quite like fascinating that that it's up this it's like a global coup over our freedom and it's it's interlocked and they all use the same words and there's new normals is painted on the signs here in thailand for fuck's sakes in english and i'm like man this is ridiculous this is not even conspiracy theory it's like look around you it is what it is happening it's like it's like that's funny all these conspiracy theories are starting to to just break out and, and erupt and and come to completely to the surface and and like with the with the news not even trying to be unbiased it's crazy and, right you have like in the past like oh it will only be locked down for two weeks you're crazy if you think they're going to lock you down you're crazy if you think that they mandate mass you're tra- crazy if they're going to track and trace you're crazy if they're going to limit your things with that yeah. and it keeps on being like it moving the going. goalposts and like Remember four months ago when you said I was crazy and conspiring when I said that, well, we're already moving to the next thing. And like, don't you see the needle being, you know, literally and figuratively here? The needle and this being is the thing with the people who are completely ideological on the left, for example, they fucking can't see the crazy. They can't see the fucking the hypocrisy. Like the, the news will literally be like, like if you're if you like anti-lockdown protest, you're killing grandma, get the fuck off the streets. And you're like a vile murderer for going outside to protest lockdowns. And then literally two weeks later, Black Lives Matter. Oh, it's okay. Now it's okay because now that's more important. You know, the, the oppression of, of, you know, of police brutality and violence. I've seen this on CNN is, is a, a more pressing issue than COVID right now. And it's like, just you guys fucking did a 180 in two weeks. And then, and then people can't see that fucking like, what, how do they not, how do people not see that? Or at least acknowledge it? Like you're not a functioning human. I can't respect your brain. I can't respect you as a functioning person it's like i can respect you if you have the opposite view of me but not if you can't see the other view then you're just being fucking stupid like that's the crazy thing that i think when you take a look now as we said before right or conservative or what the label right and conservative they are re- being removed from social media i see almost no one being removed on the left side you bet like with the russian meddling we should investigate if with the election of trump russia had anything to do with it because we should respect the justice system and then now the same thing with the alleged fraud no 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 it's not there we like it's not, not even a chance like where There's is the principle yeah where's the principle here like either you do both yes, or yes, you don't do yes. both like i would be fine if they would be consistent but you see right. that it's ideological like hey you can't gather and protest with business owners to open up again with 20 or 50 people but then when ba- when it's black Ma- lives matter protests like oh it's yes. no problem like, where is the principle here there's still 50 people gathering or you know tens of ten uh, you know hundreds of people gathering and then it's okay and then it's not okay that that's not a principle that's just a ideological preference that's right yeah the, you're right the principle is if you live by if the principles are, are everything if you live by the principles then you have to you have to be able to see on both sides for there's where it's falling and where it is. It's like, that's why I respect, like I said, a guy like Ben Shapiro, he goes on principles and, and he fucking calls out shit on his own side all the time. I just love the way his mind works in that way because he just, 
the truth is the truth for fuck's sakes. Like, and that's it. Like the truth matters. But you know, in this weird world we live in, you know, everybody thinks they're right. And it's, and it seems funny because I'm like, well, then you and I are talking like everybody thinks they're right. So what makes me think I'm right? It's like, I don't put myself into a side. I've always operated outside of it. It doesn't make me better, but it makes me able to see these, see both sides at the same time. I can steal man either side really hard. And that's, and that's, that's, that's something that's missing. Ask someone on the left to steal man the right. They won't, they'll just straw man. It's like, no, no, you fucking asshole. I asked you to steal man their argument. Can you say their argument so well that they would say, damn, man, you said my argument better than me. No, you wouldn't be able to, but the right can usually do that to the left, which I found interesting. And so there's something there where uh, a lot of people- We see the people on the right, not trying to say, hey, these people should be removed from social media or their opinion is not allowed to be heard. But we do see this on the left towards people on the right side of the spectrum to say, hey, that's hate speech or they should be removed because that's offensive. So again, here as a principle, we only see one side trying to censor another side and the other side just speaking their mind and saying this should also be a part of the conversation or this is also an important aspect that should be highlighted. So where does, so how far does it go? Like where, like how far can you push the, how far can the left push the right before the right, you know, just is positive and negative rights and, and, and it gets to a point where, yeah, like where is, when is the right going to finally break and be like, because what, see, the, the, the crazy thing is, as you know, the, the more the left pushes with their accusations and the things that they're, the ideas that they're putting, because they believe them and because they're pushing them, like they, they are creating that, like you said, reality through consequence, which only further validates their claim. And so, you know, they'll, they will turn people on the right into racists by pushing the races calling them racist so far so hard that they become racist <laughs> and it only proves their case which is scary because they'll think they were right all along but they got they they, they got to read the secret or some shit because don't you understand that like your your assumptions whatever they are if you act as if that's true you will create that further validating that that uh, that is true but that doesn't mean it's actually reality but you forced it to be reality and you, but you claim you didn't want it to be. That's the fucked up thing. It's like, if you really want to do that, fine. But these people claim that they don't want that reality while simultaneously creating that reality. Well, I think these people are not solution oriented, they're problem oriented, and they feed off finding the problems. And I think we're focusing, how I call it, we're focusing on the chessboard right now. But I think when you take it a bit higher, I think these yes. movements, these ways of thinking, these biases in the media. Power games. I think they don't, that's at least my stance. I'm interested about your perspective. I don't think they evolve organically. I think some people have vested interests in them and then they move the pieces on the chess game and we're just focusing on the chess game itself. But we don't look up about who is this actually benefiting, who is kind of like social engineering these conflicts to keep people polarized, fearful, afraid, and then just turn against each other. And they can, you know, play a lot of chess games and move them and people just focus on the pieces and not on the chess masters. What's your opinion about that? How much of what we see right now is just organic or just the, the zeitgeist, let's say? I believe that on, on, on one level, it's all organic because if it just exists on this weird ball that we're, we're shooting around, then I believe that it's, it's organic because it's happening. To me, like the true inorganic would be of something above that or maybe a different plane of reality or something is controlling it through this reality or something like a David Icke type shit or something. But, but that aside, I think that on, on one level, I do believe that yes, that like they're, they are plotting the, they're plotting it out. There's, there's no fucking doubt about that in my mind. 
However, I do think it's organic in the sense that I feel like it's this history is just repeating itself again and again and again. It's like it's like the, the road to serfdom. It's like the steps are the steps seem to be the same. You know, it's like it's always this, you know, equality versus freedom kind of thing is like is communism or socialism and capitalism. It's always this pull, and I feel like it's always gonna do what it does. It's like there's it's it's always going to happen. It's like because the people right now, I believe, that are pushing these super socialist fucking agendas. And it's weird because, man, there could be something way bigger and crazier than we even know. And I've dabbled in that stuff. But on a pure political level, let's say, and looking at history, it's like the people who are pushing the good people, say not the people like the people playing the chessboard, but they're, you know, wrapped in ideology. And the people who think they're doing this for good are going to get to a point where they are in power, like like what may just happen here in the US, but like, They'll get to a point where they're in power, but they're going to need to force in order to, to, to push that good and that, that, that utopia that they have, they have to actually enforce it. They realize because they, people, they don't comply. So they have to enforce it, but they don't want to enforce it because they, because at that moment, they're not going to truly want to become that what they despise because they want to, but they will. But then what that does is because they're not willing to enforce it and become totalitarian what they do is that allows for a totalitarian dictator to come up and say, I will do th- I will do this. I will lead. And it's what allows the totalitarian dictatorship to arrive. So I, I don't, I don't even necessarily see like, you know, in the U S for example, fucking Biden, Kamala Harris, it's like, okay, Biden fucking, you know, takes too big of a shit, you know, half his assholes ripped out and he, he fucking retires two months into his presidency. And Kamala Harris is now running country. And you have all these extreme, it's like, that's, those are the people who are going to, be the create the dictatorship or or a totalitarian state. It's not those people. It's the person that comes in from the, that they that window that they've created allows that person to come in and ride up. At least as far as I've seen in history. So that's just uh, scary in a way too, because people like us are the are, you know people like us are on the chopping block. But you know who else is on the chopping block? All those fucking people who helped. All the uh, what do they call them? What do they call those? Uh, the the agents the, the stupid agents or the what's that term there's a russian spy term an unwilling yeah anyways somebody who doesn't know they're a fucking stooge for all this shit they're gonna get like useful idiot that's right so so like the vast majority of all these activists and all these fucking assholes they're useful idiots and what's going to happen is when when they do get into power and then when the fucking dictatorship comes up they're going to be so disillusioned they're, they don't go along with it forever because they're those are good people hijacked by these fucking ideologies so they're going to see, and then they're going to be disillusioned, and then they're going to get angry because they've been fucking lied to and cheated on, and they're usually the first to go on the chopping block on the communist chopping yeah, block. Yeah, and, and that is what we also saw, and uh, read the Gulag Archipelago and read some other books about yes. uh, communism and uh, evil that exists in men, you know, Rape of Nanking, etc. Look at the bo- book list of Jordan Peterson where you can read a bit about evil that is present in everyone, and you, you, you choose differently. Have you seen uh, that Gulag, uh, Gulag Archipelago? It's hard to, I can't even, it's, there's so many, so much happens, it's hard to remember, but you know, some of these, like these, these, these scenes, like these stories, I cannot yeah. fathom how a human could mm-hmm. be okay doing that to other humans. Can't fathom. And, and people who haven't read the book or anything even near it, you can't even imagine these stories. You couldn't just off the top of your head, make something vile enough. They also thought like they will only come for the lawyers. They will only come for the teachers. They will only come for this. And in the end, they came for you. And I kind of see the same thing happening with this intersectionality that, yeah. you know, first it was women's rights. 
And then maybe when a woman is a bit critical towards transgenderism, oh, she gets crucified while she was on your side with the whole feminism thing, but it's eating itself or it's like black feminist or then it's black transgender feminist. And then they keep on going further. Like for instance, JK Rowling, I know she had some critical stances towards something and she's been advocating partly like a social justice warrior agenda. But then, and then there was one thing that didn't align with the very narrow prescribed ideological spectrum she gets ostracized and she gets pushed out and she no longer belongs to the SJW tribe, you know? They eat their own in, uh, very quickly. They make them grovel and, 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 and apologize and get on your fucking knees. I saw a video of, I forget who it was, but made a white woman on the street just get down on her knees and apologize for fucking her, what her race did. And it's like, they'll turn on you in a heartbeat. They'll turn on their own in a heartbeat. You're right. And it becomes harder for people to stand up and speak for humanity or certain principles because they can have one clip, one tweet put out of context and they repeat it and your whole reputation is smeared, you know, and, uh, you know, character assassination, status assassination. So people don't realize sometimes how hard it is to speak out and have thought provoking perspectives and have people think because that is not allowed. And then we go back to 1984. I call it the best uh, nonfiction book of the 20th century. <laughs> there you see a lot of doublespeak, policing language, the thought police, surveillance state, you know, everything had to be measured. You have to shut up and all things of life were like measured by the state and you didn't have any individual thinking and self-determination anymore. And I think that's very dangerous. Where do you think freedom of speech ends? Is there any limit to freedom of speech? No. What what the law, the laws now? I mean, you can't purposely incite violence, and I don't think you can. You can't purposely like, you can't without consequences. You can't like yell fire in a crowded building or something like that. I mean, there's there's a few things that you you can't say in that realm. Everything else needs to be allowed. People will hand the, the consequences are the consequences. If you start removing if you start creating those boundaries as you know they they just get smaller and smaller it's like you're taking you, you give them an inch they take a mile it's like there's no way getting around that so you, you can't even begin to go down that road you see it now like people are fucking like the, the stand-up co comedians and stuff like that and they're just almost being told now what they can you know they're getting kicked off campus for example and stuff like that with like uh, like a lot of comics won't even go touch college campuses anymore and, and they're getting kicked off and it's like they're not even getting kicked off by the vast majority of students, these, these loud little minorities of these little fucking yappy, these yappy fucks. And the thing is with the freedom of speech issue, it, like with the people who are the most kind of against it, it's like they want their speech. It's not that they, they want like certain types of speech. It's like they don't, it's, it's a power game. See, this is, I believe Jordan Peterson helped me understand this was like the substructure of their fucking, their fundamental, you know, belief, which is that this world is a power struggle between groups. And so the whole free speech argument is almost annoying to me because it's like, it's not about that. They're, they're making you feel like it is, but it's not, it's, it's a power play. It's like, they're not trying to do this to better society or this or that. It's like, they're trying to do it so they can grab power for, for themselves, give themselves a voice and, and, give, and, not, and allow me not to have the voice. That's where you think one step deeper. I'm reading Foucault right now and I'm reading a lot of people, you know, if you really want to understand your enemies or other perspectives, read them, even though it's excruciating, read them. And what a lot of postmodernism was like, you know, language is a power game. 
language is framed in a power game where the ones who dominate the narrative, you know, they have the power and through the language and the stories, they perpetuate their power. But I only have to go one level deeper because I see things as a pendulum, as a spectrum. It can go from extreme to extreme, freedom to equality, you know, chaos to too much freedom, etc. What if you looking at everything in language as a power game of people to get power is in itself your power game? And is your way to get power. And that way, you know, things that minority perspectives that weren't acknowledged in the past, now the pendulum has swung that you actually now have the dominant narrative. You actually have the power here. So again, use your principle here to look at your own perspective right now and maybe dissect your perspective. But that's what they don't do. Like, no, 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 my side is only right. So it's just like, hey, isn't this in itself again a power game? to get it through hate speech and saying who's wrong, et cetera. So that, that's the question that they never ask. It's like the whole power game idea. Like, it's so obvious, the power game thing, but they never want to admit to that. They just want to keep saying, no, it's like equality. And it's like, no, the, I, I don't know if you saw a post I did the other day where I said, I wish I was a, a black, lesbian, trans midget so that like, you know, so I didn't have to check my privilege or so, so I actually had a bunch of privilege or something like that. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's tongue in cheek, but it's like power game. So to me, it's like, It'd be hard to debate a lot of these people because you, they're they're using dirty tricks because they're harnessing language, like you said, with Foucault and Sartre and these motherfuckers. They're they're harnessing language, they're hijacking it, they're twisting it, they're they're using their words as like it's an intense mindfuck, an intense game. I feel for regular people who aren't into this stuff or this conversation or even the political, they don't understand because they're just they're just mindfuck. They're being this lefty motherfuckers and this whole ideology is like incredibly good copywriting and incredibly good persuasion obviously like the result man is is like cult like meme disease that's taken over and it's like you said it's like it's it's the it's the, the use of language is the way that they did it it's just like in 1984 and so that's fascinating to me and, and people like you that who who study this stuff but like regular people don't have a chance and, and that's why it's a language battle that's why like it's hard to debate with these people as soon as they start speaking it's like I'm not falling into the fucking entire frame itself. So until you like, we're going to talk about the fucking, you know, the, the, the base level power game. And I'm not going into these, these like rabbit holes or these little fucking foxholes you have me chasing and everybody's talking in it's, it's bullshit. It's like, I don't even accept your fucking premise in the first place. Like, yeah. One um, of the things that and I'm, I, and that, that's where a lot of the conversation I believe needs to be, uh, needs to be held to. Because everybody gets, keeps getting sucked in these foxholes. It's like, no, hold these motherfuckers to the fire and keep keep the conversation on their entire premise to begin with. Don't go down their fucking little foxholes. Like For me, it's always about mutual responsibility. I see your perspective, you see my perspective. And I see these things as principles and as dynamic. If we go back to when actually cultural Marxism originated in the 20s, yes, the dominant perspective was white, Christian, male, Western, that's true. But when you look at now in the West, uh, the, the media, what kind of ideology, ideology gets the most uh, dominance? It's mostly the minority perspective. So if you use the same principle, that is actually the dominant perspective right now. And that is why you need freedom of speech to negotiate between those perspectives and find the balance a bit and integrate it. Because it's not just black and white, like they are right, they are, they are wrong. No, the principle here is there are dominant perspectives, which are suppressing non-dominant perspectives. And we should let those other perspectives also be voiced and not only show one side. Well, what do we see right now? We mostly see only one side. The other side gets censored. 
So if you use the same principles here, you know, you could again move the pendulum a bit to the middle, but it's people who think the same way in the 1920s as now and think the power distribution is still the same. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and exactly. And it's, uh, oh man, even, I was even thinking about uh, the word privilege because that's the, nothing gets my, me going more than privilege. It's like, if somebody told me to check my privilege in person, I'd probably deck them in the face. Be like, that's why that? fragility. Yeah, that's why exactly. That's my white fragility by saying that that I'm shaking in my boots because I believe my power is going to be is is in is in jeopardy or something. It's like it's, I don't fucking even think like I don't care. I'm, my power's not in jeopardy. I have power no matter what you fucking do. It's like I got personal power, bitch. Not I don't fucking get my power from the group. Are you fucking kidding me? I don't identify with my group. I'm me, and so you can't take my power. That's that's funny how they say that. It's like oh, you, if you get triggered by any of this, any you get triggered by the privilege talk. That's proof that you're afraid of your power being or your privilege and power being revoked you can't set up that trap for me and decide that's what that is like that's fucking bullshit but i don't even believe in the word privilege in the first place they put that on us like fuck arguing about whether or not i have privilege fuck whether let's fucking argue about the goddamn word whether privilege exists in the first place i think one of the things that frustrates when people use these things as white privilege or white fragility is that people don't look at where we have to come from also with your addiction, your homelessness, all the struggles, like just being white is a, you know, go to life, easy pass. Doesn't count. It is easy for you, man. Doesn't to, count. To be an advocate of the devil, to be, to be, <laughs> to be an advocate of the devil. What about these black people that say like, we have a lot less opportunities. We have to face a lot more adversity compared to white people. So we start in a less advanced position as white people so we have to do more effort to get the same result that is often the perspective you hear from people in the black community that they have less opportunities and have to work even harder to get to the same level because the base level in general of white people has a better starting position it's possible but i've i've, I've, seen, I've met a, i've seen a lot of white ghettos like even if it's true that's it like what do we do reset the great reset right we're gonna reset the whole world and make everybody like the world's not fair. What the fuck? Like, I don't owe anybody anything because of that. Like, so what? So fucking what? That doesn't mean you don't help people. It doesn't mean that we don't work to, to make it better for everybody. But like, so what? We're, we're unequal. Like, fucking get over it. Like, we're not equal. Like, you know, I, I have a friend. He has 150 IQ. It's like, should I be like his IQ? Like, should I be fucking resenting him and fucking forcing like forcing him to like, you know, do some of my homework or something? Like, come on. It's like, yeah, there's inequality. Like that's baked into human beings. And people are like, no, it's the system. It's not the system because you, you doesn't matter what system you put people in. The inequality is still there. It's like, it's, it's like, yes, we're unequal. It's like, like Jordan Peterson used to talk to Cain and Abel. It's like, it's a, it's a fucking classic story about the, the person who just has a better, fucking dealt a better card in life versus a person who don't. And the person gets resentful. And it's like, this is as old as fucking time itself. And it's like, get over it. Work with what you have. Like the world doesn't owe you anything. It doesn't even owe you life. Nobody owes me anything, man. Even people who owe me money, they don't owe. they don't owe, the world doesn't owe me anything. It's like, I want that money, but the world doesn't owe me even fucking another breath. It's like, this is just the world. So these fucking, these people are entitled too. It's like, craziness it's, a, it's crazy entitlement like this, all the fucking radical left is like they're all just like these wee whiny teenagers sitting in their sitting in their fucking parents basement just like it and it's, it's just crazy to me it's like you're not entitled to any of this shit so like s fucking sit down like
Well, what is often is a pattern. And I think that partly what you want to say is like what you want to focus on. Something is under your control or not under your control. And when you're empowered or you have the ownership that you talk about, you can make a much bigger impact and you come from a place of self-empowerment to empower others. But what happens a lot with people is that their ideology is often a projection of the thing that they don't implement in their own life. And they wish that, you know, people would give to them. So that is also when I was more disempowered and depressed and anxious, I believed a lot in communism. Like if people only gave, you know, equal chances and everybody was the same, the world would be fine. But that was a projection of my own mental weakness or certain things I didn't own in myself. And I projected it onto an ideology that would then give it to me. So it was only realizing, which was a a coping mechanism. Yeah, it was a liberating and a shameful moment that I knew that still a lot of these issues were self-inflicted because they were under my control. Then I started focusing more on personal responsibility and my ideology started shifting again. So I think a lot of these views that we have ideologically is oftentimes a projection of the mental deficiencies or lack or weaknesses that we have, and you project them onto a caretaker ideology that's going to fix it for us. Yeah, Philippe, it's like a, it's a delusion, like as a coping mechanism almost. Like I watched a Dr. Phil clip on YouTube not long ago, and it, it was a 37-year-old man still lives in his parents' house. And so I love Dr. Phil clips for this, so the psychological, because you're like, listen to the words and the framing, and it's like how they respond to certain things. You fucking master's degree in psychology right there from these clips. The 37-year-old living at home, and his parents are enabling him, of course. And you just hear like, he, he's just like, He's like, well, they won't come in my room. It was Dr. Phil said, do you realize that this is not your home? This is their home. And you're, you're an adult now. <laughs> and every minute that they allow you to be in that home is a gift to you and something that you're not owed. Do you understand that? And he goes, he goes, yeah, but this is my room. This is where I reside. This is where I've resided my entire life. They even get mad at me for how I keep the room, whether it's messy. And you know, I don't keep it that messy. It's actually clean most of the time. And I wish they would get off my. And then the parents are like, "It's not clean. It's fucking dirty." And they're taught. And again, see the rat, the the foxhole. They're talking now. They're battling. He got them. He got them. They're battling about whether the room is clean or not. And they're off the whole. It's like this is not your room. And so. It was fast. So, anyways, my point is, is that you look at this this ideology we're talking about, and you can see very clearly that they have the thirty seven year old person living at their parents' home mentality, that entitlement, that that delusion. It's all there, and that's a lot of times why we see this immature behavior and people who act immature because they give away that power to their caretakers, like children, and then they have to take care of everything. And that is why you see a lot of these people, especially on the radical left, being triggered, acting childish, needing safe spaces or teddy bears or whatever. And it's, you know, a lack of personal responsibility. And then they give away their power to the nanny state, the nanny state, the caretakers, they have to take care of it. If I complain, I complain because that's the activism, right? Often it's not doing shit. It's like making a tweet like, listen, I'm just a a, a grief consultant or someone who just complains. And there, I did the activism. 
I did the hard work, now, now fix it for me, which is completely different than some of the activists, even in the black community that I look up to. They really worked with their own community. It demanded a lot of work, community work, but it it's wasn't just attitude, like, you're right. yeah, they're, just not, not just, they're working to actually yeah. make the changes versus the 37 year old in the whose house is doing a temper tantrum around the house as a teenager for his parents. You're right. It's, it's different. Like, yeah, you're right. There's the two types of activism for sure. And, and granted, one's a lot more quiet than the other, but one's actually doing work to get things done. Yeah, man, that's also what I want to do. Raise responsible human beings who can think for themselves and speak their truth. When people want to find out more about what you do, your thought-provoking questions, perspectives, being a contrarian, helping people develop self-ownership, where can they check you out on social media or work with you? Well, the best place is my Facebook profile, Mitch Miller, and also YouTube, so the, the channel called Opposed Media. And also, I think the best thing for people to do, because I'm always getting banned and I have to watch what I say to an extent, and I don't like doing that. So I do have an email newsletter that is, um, I believe, very valuable. And it's not just, you know, some weird spam stuff. This is, in my opinion, highly valuable articles and information that I do every day. And uh, I think that that would be best. It's also free. Uh, people want to sign up to that. They go to um, whiterabbitoffers.com slash hollow. It, yeah, because it's the hollow. It's the little cave with the white rabbit's going to go inside. And that's where they can sign up for that free free newsletter. And I, and I promise, man, like, you know, if you're into psychology and marketing and, and, uh, and, and that copywriting and that kind of space, then um, you will really enjoy the, uh, the content in there because it's not just some hobbled together articles or emails just for the sake of doing it. It's a, a lot of uh, thought and effort put into it. So let's say that you're a girl or a boy on a playground and you are a bit like that rebel with a cause on the outside looking in what is the kind of a message that you would give to those children when they're going through that phase of feeling out of place and feeling a rebel and not knowing what to do you know i would say something like you don't need any of these people or any of what you see to tell you who you are and to make you feel a certain way you don't need them to feel good about yourself and you don't need them to tell you who you are how you feel and what you think and how you want to think and how you want to feel, you have the choice to, to own that, be that, and you can make the world and, and you can make reality around you, whatever you want, because you don't need to let the world dictate to you how things are going. You don't have to be reactive. You can, you can choose how it goes. The world will bend to your reality, whatever you assume is going to happen that will usually create that to happen. So try to create that, that extreme ownership. Try to have Jocko whisper in your ear in the playground in a non-creepy way. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jocko will, it can be pretty intense in terms of yeah. uh, his advice and waking up at 5 a.m. Thanks so much for sharing your insights about freedom, about standing up for yourself and thinking differently. Happy to have you in my network and thanks so much for the insightful podcast, man. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a comment. And if you're a coach or consultant and you want to scale your online business or maximize your productivity, check out the show notes to find out more about Philip and his coaching programs. Rent over.